Hey, Moving Forward listeners, believe it or not, the holidays are right around the corner. So get the ball rolling and get your ducks in a row. The Corporate Clichés Coloring Book makes the perfect white elephant office party gift or surprise stocking stuffer for your favorite work-from-home colleague. It's available now on Amazon. You can also find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. Let's celebrate the holidays with some low-hanging fruit and a bubbling glass of synergy. Episode 447. I hope everyone is having a great week. First of all, I want to welcome any new listeners. We're getting new listeners every week. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Do listen to episode 000 if you haven't already. That'll give you an idea of how to approach moving forward because there's so many different episodes and seasons and they do vary. I have episodes that are standalone. I have episodes that are conversations with interesting guests and I also have collections. And currently, I am in the middle of a collection or a mini-series of episodes talking about decluttering. So do check that out. And again, uh, I appreciate all of the new listeners and our returning listeners, ones who have been with me for a long time. All right, uh, just a couple of things before we dive into today's episode. Uh, My writing class, my second one is underway. Just had a great first week, really good group of students. Unfortunately... Registration is now closed, so uh, you, if you wanted to take the class and missed the opportunity, unfortunately, the, the registration is closed. Uh, I do plan at some point, hopefully, to teach this in the spring. It's not definite yet. If, in, if, I, if the schedule and everything works out, I will definitely have announcements about that. But in the meantime... One of the things I'm doing is I want to make this podcast a little more interactive. So I am making use of the polling feature. There's a Q&A feature or a polling feature in the Spotify version of Moving Forward. So if you listen to Moving Forward on Spotify, and I'm going to put up a uh, Q&A or a poll. Uh, Let me know if you would be interested in taking this class if it were pre-recorded as opposed to live. So the, the classes that I teach right now are live They're hard scheduled based off of my availability and they meet the same time every week, which I know can be a little bit of a challenge. And I've I've had a couple of students reach out to me who wanted to take the class, but the scheduling didn't work out. But if you would be interested in having a pre-recorded version that maybe you could take on your own or at your own pace, let me know in the Spotify poll if that's something you would be interested in. All right. Uh. As I mentioned last week, I talked about purging books getting into the episode today, and I want to follow up on uh, Pango Books, which I talked about on the second half of 446. So I wanted to follow up, and I can confirm that, yes, if you sell a book and you don't have a printer to print out the mail label, it does have a QR code that you can take to the post office. And I've talked about this on the Poshmark series because they have a similar feature, and just it's, it's, it's a great convenience if you don't have access to a printer and you need to ship something out, you can take the QR code. But one thing you should be aware is that you need to have it scanned by a USPS employee. In other words, you can really only use this feature during uh, regular business hours at the post office. So it will not work, and I've tried this as an experiment, it does not work 
with the self-service kiosk, which I think is a bit of a bummer and a little bit of a missed opportunity. It just would make sense to have the QR code be scannable by the self-serve kiosk and have the kiosk spit out a label so you can put it on the package and just drop it off. That would make most sense to do that because that way uh, it would allow people to send out their packages after hours. So if you are using the QR code, you will have to go during regular business hours. You'll have to stand in line. But still, it's it's better than not having that as an option. And in, in case you sell a book or a Poshmark item and you don't have a printer or access to a printer, it's a nice feature to have. Also, a minor correction. I think I mentioned last week that I started Pango Books in August. It was actually Labor Day weekend. I looked it up. And uh, so it was actually Labor Day weekend that uh, that I started and I sold my first book that weekend. Um, I, I mentioned it was a copy of Lonesome Dove, which I had not gotten around to read. And that was on September 4th. And in fact, as I'm recording this episode, I just sold my seventh book uh, last week. In fact, during my first class, I at the end, I got the notification on the phone on my phone that I had sold the book. And so I'm averaging, I think, about a book a week, maybe every other week. So it's a pretty steady pace. Now, as I mentioned last week, I think this is one of those things where it takes time. And I think the best way to gain traction on something like this is, you know, if you have books, just continue listing them, especially if you have a lot. And I think that helps in terms of visibility and just be patient, you know, and and most of all, Make sure you're very descriptive with your photos, copy, and when you get those orders, send them out in a timely manner, just like as I talk about on the Poshmark series. Now, I have reached out to Pango, and I, I, I think it's a great platform. Uh, I did suggest to them two um, suggestions that I had in mind. One is which, which I think would be helpful to increase their visibility and awareness is to have a, an HTML embed option or some sort of embed option for websites. And I've started doing that on my website. So if you go to my website, bemovingforward.com, I've added on the menu a bookstore link, which takes you to my Pango bookstore. But that's just a link redirect. I think it would be great if you could embed it within places on your website, such as the blog post. And by the way, I've started putting that into my blog posts as well that you can link to my uh, Pango bookstore. So do check that out if you're looking for a good book. All right, we're going to dive into the decluttering series, and uh, let's go ahead and continue on today. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of where I am with that as I'm continuing on this decluttering journey of my own. And today I'm going to dive a little more into the philosophy of it and what I think the difference is between, say, decluttering and being a minimalist or minimalism. So let's start with where I am. And I, as much as I thought I had purged all the clothes <laughs> that I had, it seems like clothes are never ending. And as I am going through different boxes, both in my storage unit, uh, in my condo, and uh, in my dad's uh, garage, which is the de facto storage unit for a lot of the stuff that we have from past years, I've unearthed more boxes of clothes. And so uh, I am working this weekend, and I'm recording this uh, over the weekend. I am working on really organizing those and, and uh, getting a lot of those ready for donation. And I think I've put together about 10 bags, mix of clothing, but also some 
other knickknacks and things like that. However, unlike my first purge wave of clothing, as I call it, uh, this is not so much current wardrobe as these are much older. So, and that gets into a whole separate discussion, which I'm actually going to table for now and save for another episode. So right now where I'm at is I am in the midst of organizing yet more clothes. And I think, and I know I said this before, but I really do think this is getting us to the last wave of clothing donations for now. And then after that, it's going to be about every year donating and just being more uh, consistent with that. So it, it doesn't pile up. It doesn't accumulate. And then, you know, I have to spend a lot of time decluttering a lot. And that's really the goal, I think. The goal is to get to the point where decluttering, as I, for lack of a better word, is just something that you do every year, little by little, just to maintain um, where you want to be. And that really does get us into the heart of today's episode is the philosophy, I think, between decluttering versus minimalism and what I think the difference is between the two. So taking you back to when I started this miniseries, uh, for me, the reason why I started down this road was it was I, I hit what I what I'll call a critical mass point of my pack rat tendencies just catching up to me. And I really think it caught up to me maybe about a year or so ago where having had all this stuff accumulated over the years and most of it was pretty well stored away in a lot of boxes. And that's what we tend to do when we have stuff that we no longer use or need and not sure what to do with it. Some stuff we may keep out of nostalgia, some stuff we may keep because that lingering sense of I may need this one day, but I don't really need it right now is out of sight, out of mind. You put it in a closet, you put it in a storage unit, you put it in a garage, you put it in a couple of boxes, and then before you know it, uh, you forget that you even have it. And that had really caught, caught up to me. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of this miniseries, over the summer, I think I was at a point where I was feeling a little bit stuck in different areas and also a little bit stressed about I would, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just randomly have thoughts of, oh my gosh, where did I put X or where did I put Y? It just random things. And I think that tends to happen if you happen to be up really late at night around 2 or 3 a.m. where you wake up at that hour. Sometimes you'll have those random thoughts in your head and, and they can feel so much heavier than they otherwise would be. And so... I really, I came to this point where I realized I couldn't keep up with where everything was. And I felt the weight of it. And when I say the weight of it, it wasn't just simply that this stuff was taking up a lot of physical space. But for example, uh, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, purging PCs and laptops between me and my dad, between his workshop, between my, my condo. And over the years, I'd accumulated a lot of computer hardware. He had accumulated a lot of computer hardware. A lot of it was defunct. A lot of it we hadn't used or couldn't use anymore, and yet a lot of it still had important information. And so that weighed on me. This stuff takes up space, and just the whole idea of, well, eventually I'm going to have to deal with this. And, uh, and that's the other part of this, is that when you accumulate stuff in the back of your mind, you're thinking, one day I'm going to have to deal with this stuff, because uh, at some point you're going to run out of space. At some point 
it's just going to be too overwhelming. And so that was where I was at. And as I talked about on the episode with the PCs, I really felt that in the back of my mind, not just from this past summer through now, but over the last couple of years even. It was just uh, something I would have these like little recurring thoughts about stuff that I had, all the books that I have, all the computers, the clothing that I hadn't really purged were thinned down. So, and I believe that it it's not just taking up space physically. Yes, that's the most practical way to look at it is that anything that you are storing up, anything that you are saving, anything that you are accumulating and not really using, it's taking up physical space. And I remember I talked about the cost-benefit of analysis of either you know, you're subsidizing this stuff, either your rent or your mortgage, part of that is going to subsidize the space for keeping all of that. And so there's the physical aspect of it. But then I really believe this, and I've come to realize and appreciate this as I'm going through my decluttering journey, is that it takes up space mentally and even emotionally. And I, I'm known for having a really, really incredible memory for so many different things, minor details. But I felt that part of that was probably born by the fact that I had so much stuff and trying to keep track of it mentally. But even that, at some point, you know, there's a saturation point and I couldn't keep track of all of that. And so feeling the take... the. the the idea that this stuff was taking up space in my head as well as the physical space, it was really time for me to start taking stock of it and purging what I didn't need anymore. So that was my goal. My goal and my starting point was to take stock and to thin out and purge what I no longer need. And part of this, I developed my own philosophy on how to approach this. And in, in the future episodes, I'll talk about some of the books that I've read I'll break down what the philosophies are because they do vary across um, individuals who are practitioners of this. And some parts I agree with, some parts I don't agree with. But I'm of the mind that your starting point should be to take stock of what you have. And that in itself requires a devotion of mental energy and time. Take stock of what you have and then the two-step process is going from there to then purging what you no longer need or what you you no longer want. In other words, if it's not serving a purpose, then you're just holding on to it. And it's it's really not beneficial, especially in the long, long run. And my philosophy was anything that I wanted to purge or was ready to release, so to speak, I wanted to make sure as much as possible that it could be donated recycled or sold okay and clothing speaking of clothing was a great example of this because some of the clothing were uh, at least I think two bags worth that as I was going through my drawers were not really in a condition that could be recycled or sold because some of it had tears and holes and things like that I mean that that's just speaks to how bad of a job I did of getting rid of things that I was no longer wearing, things that were years out of date. And so rather than throw that out, rather than put that out with the trash, 
I was happy that I was able to find a solution to have that recycled. And I talked about this on the clothing episode where you can find places that will take scraps of fabric and recycle them because fabric waste is one of the biggest uh, waste piles that we have globally. I mean, if you've seen some documentaries, especially on the clothing industry and the fast fashion trends and things like that, the amount of waste product that is created by fabric and materials for, you know, clothing, it's just, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. So as much as possible, the idea that this could be recycled, uh, I wanted to make sure that anything that I'm purging uh, could be recycled, donated, resold. And and this also goes to some of the stuff that I had some sentimental value for. And for instance, the books that I've talked about last week, some of these books I have really fond memories of, and I remember when I got them, I remember reading them. Some of them I don't read at all. And the idea of being able to sell that even at a reduced price, even if it's not for a lot of money, to someone who could enjoy that book uh, was very appealing to me. So that was a keystone, if you will, of one of my uh, purging philosophies, if you will. So first point was the two-step process of thin, of taking stock and then deciding what I don't need. The second was, as much as possible, redirecting those uh, items in a very positive way. In, in other words, could it be donated so that someone... In, else could make use of it or someone who would need it. And the PCs were a great example. I was so thankful to find a nonprofit that specifically has been created for that purpose. And I do encourage you to check out that episode. Uh, could it be, if it couldn't be donated, could it be sold or resold? And that's something that I'm going to be doing more of. And I'll be talking about that probably in future episodes because I'm just starting with that, with the books, but I know that, that I have other things that I'm going to want to resell or sell as well. And then finally, recycling. Things that cannot really be reused or things that can't be donated, is there a way to recycle it? Now, barring all of that, now, even if you go through that and you're, you stick to that uh, philosophy, recognize that there are certain things you're just not going to be able to do one of those things with. It's not going to fit neatly into a donate, recycle, or sell category. So I also accept that there's a lot that I'm throwing out. And sometimes I do feel a little bit of guilt about that. But at the same time, it's really a matter of weighing, well, it, I know I, I this is a, a little bit of a judgment. I'm judging myself a little bit harshly because I do feel guilty. I, I think to myself, oh gosh, you know, why did I get this thing in the first place? Or why did I keep this in the first place? But you, you got to let that go because the whole point of taking stock and purging or decluttering is to not judge your past actions, but really to take a different course of action now and one that will benefit you tomorrow. That's the whole point of this. So let go of that judgment. And it's it's hard to do because you look at back at some of the things you might have accumulated, some things you might have bought, and you, you think to yourself, this is such a waste. I could have, I would have been so much better off if I didn't buy this, or I barely ever used this. This was a colossal waste of money. Um, but try not to think in those terms because what's in the past is past. The important thing now is you're taking charge and taking stock of what you have 
and redirecting it as best as you can. And that's really the bottom line. You're doing the best that you can with this. And that's what I've come to accept. And so it's not easy, but I have found the process to be so beneficial. Just in the couple of months that I've been doing this, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a funny analogy to draw, but it, it really does feel like we're a metaphor that I feel like my condo or my dad's garage, it feels like it can breathe again. Because you do kind of carry this image that the places where you stockpile stuff, it just feels so suffocated. If it were a living, breathing entity, you would feel like that it's suffocated. I liken it to when I was in grade school, or, or junior high maybe more accurately, and I would um, carry a lot of books in, in my backpack, you know, just... Some book, I wasn't great about figuring out which books to leave at home, which late books to leave at school in my locker. So I would just carry everything. And then my backpack was so overloaded. It was so heavy and, and I could feel the weight of it. And then I would remember coming home and just being able to drop it on the floor and feeling that weight lifted off of me. I really feel the same um, way about our homes, our storage units, our closets, that it's carrying a lot of stuff and it's probably feeling like if it were alive or a living being, it would feel like it's carrying this gigantic backpack. And the more you can declutter and purge and thin out, the more it's just going to feel like that weight has been lifted off of it. All right. So I know I'm getting a little out there with the philosophy, but um, that was my starting point. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we return, I'm going to share with you what I think is the difference between decluttering and minimalism. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, here's today's Poshmark Power Tip. Save your favorite videos of your listings in your album to reuse in your stories and tag the listing. This will make it evergreen marketing. For more Poshmark seller tips, check out the Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, which is available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and as an audiobook on Audible and Apple Audiobooks. Start learning moving forward today. All right, we're back with episode 447. So minimalism, decluttering, I've used words like purging and thinning out. I mean, I'm throwing out a lot of these terms, but let's start with minimalism. Minimalism, or minimalists, uh, I think is a is a current buzzword. You, you hear it a lot. Obviously, it's associated with figures like Marie Kondo you may have read her book. I'll talk about her book on a future episode. You may have watched her show on Netflix. And there are other practitioners out there. It's a buzzword. It's a very popular one right now. It's also, I think, a trigger word for some. And the way I see minimalism, it is a lifestyle or a philosophy. And the extreme end of it is that you, you don't really own a lot. You don't own anything. And your goal is to own as little as possible. And to, and I've seen cases and I've seen examples and I've read one of the books that I read where it was about having all of your possessions fit into your backpack. And while I will admit that there is some appeal to that idea, if I, you know, if I, there are days where I fantasize about how cool it would be if everything I owned could fit into one suitcase or one backpack and the freedom that is associated with the the idea that I could go anywhere and have all of my possessions, my most important possessions in one backpack or one box. There's a lot of appeal to that because what that 
really uh, entails is just having complete freedom. You could go anywhere. You could go to a hotel. You could go to an apartment. You could move houses. You could go to a, a mobile home if you wanted to. No matter how big or how small your abode is, you could be anywhere. And having everything with you, I mean, there's an appeal to that in the sense that, A, everything you really need is right there. You know where it is. Uh, it's something that you can keep track of very easily and you know, better able to manage. And I, I, there's a lot of appeal to that. However, for me, it, it, it's, it's, it's a nice fantasy, but it's not feasible. Nor will I say it is even desirable for me to be there because that, that would entail, I think, um, a very radical uh, alteration that doesn't fit with other aspects of my life or my philosophy. So there is appeal to that. And I know I'm painting a broad brush because I think minimalism can be defined individually. But there is, I think, based off of what I've read and studied so far, it, it, it's really uh, an end to itself. The whole idea of being minimalist, it's about doing without. And I think that's the core of the philosophy is you don't, it's defining what you need in, or, or rather what you really don't need. And for most people, it's just not practical or feasible. I think, especially the extreme end of minimalism. Now, again, some may define minimalism very differently, and there's that's fair. There are definitely gradations, but I think for, for purposes of this series, I did not call it the minimalism or minimalist series. I call it the decluttering series, and that was very intentional. And the reason why I went with the word decluttering, and even decluttering, is not a great, it's not the ideal word because decluttering is the process that I am going through in order to get to my end goal. It's, it's the means to the end, okay? And I feel like minimalism for some is the end. And for some of you, that might be the lifestyle that you want. You want to be able to get to the point where you have let go of most physical things and everything you own can fit into a backpack or a box. And, and that idea can be very appealing and freeing. And if that fits with you, then by all means, that's the direction you should probably go in. But for my purposes, I come from this from a different point of view. And as I mentioned at the first half of the episode, I started at what I call the critical mass point, where I hit the saturation point. And it was out of necessity that I had to take stock of what I own and to start purging or decluttering because I knew that it was catching up to me and I knew that it wasn't sustainable long-term and I knew that it would continue to bother me and probably impact other areas of my life you know, negatively. So if I had to come up with a, a new term, it might be mediumalist, <laughs> though, though that is hardly perfect either, and I'm not even sure that I like that one. I'm on the fence about it. But sometimes I think to myself, if I were to define myself, I don't think I'd be a minimalist. I think uh, I'm not really a big accumulator. Things and, and accumulating things, I, yeah, I probably went through stages where 
I, I liked collecting things or I liked buying things, but I was never a big shopper. That, In fact, going, going out for shopping doesn't really appeal to me. I find it kind of draining. And um, I've talked about on past episodes, you know, chasing down Black Friday or Cyber Monday deals for the holidays, speaking of which, which are coming up pretty soon, hard to believe. Um, all of that I found very tiring and exhausting. And in fact, it's one of the reasons why I moved away from a lot of gift giving. So, and it's, and thankfully the people who are closest to me are pretty much on the same page. But if I had to come up with a new term, it might be medialist. Again, that's not perfect. Decluttering is what I call this mini series, but that's really the means to the end. So what then is my end goal? If I'm not trying to become someone who's going to fit all of my worldly possessions into a backpack or box, um, where, where exactly do I want to end up? And, and I have said that this journey is probably going to take anywhere between 8 to 12 months. And that is my goal. My goal is by this time next year that I will have completed my decluttering process. But what does it look like at the end of that? And that, I think, is an important question. If you do decide to embark on this, that is an important question that you should answer for yourself. And I have a two-part answer for that. So number one, and this really goes to the process that I'm going through right now with the decluttering, is I have eliminated anything and everything that I no longer need or want. And I do underscore or want because I think it is easy to fall into the trap of becoming utilitarian and just saying, well, if it doesn't serve a purpose, I'm not going to keep it. And for some of you, that might be your philosophy. It's not my philosophy. And it's, it's not, I think, for me, what I, what I want. Because some of the things that I have kept, and, and as I mentioned, when I was decluttering clothes, for instance, I came across some vintage t-shirts that I had, that I had long since thought were lost uh, between all the different places I've lived in and all the moves. To be able to unearth those was a gift. And while I don't wear them very often, and I, I still have yet to wear them, I knew immediately I'm going to keep this. Uh, so part of it was things that I really want. Marie Kondo might, might define that as something that really sparks joy. Now, I'm going to differentiate on that on a future episode. I'm going to talk about that whole philosophy. I have some aspects that I strongly agree with, others that I don't. But I think for me, eliminating anything I no longer need Need is is something that I think is a little bit easier to do, but uh, or want, and that can get a little harder deciding whether or not you want something because sometimes we can have those pulls, those tugs of nostalgia, or I might need this or want this one day. So it's not purely utilitarian for me, and that goes with some of the other things like books and other other knickknacks. I have a couple of books that. I've kept from from even from when I was a, a kid that I will revisit every now and then. I'll maybe share a couple of those on a future episode. Uh, and the things that I've decided to keep, I find value in them. Either I find a purpose or value in them. I And a, even the simplest example was when I was uh, decluttering the uh, fluttering paper, I think I called it the uh, the paper bags. I did keep a small number of them, uh, just because you know that satisfies 
enough. The whole, I might need it one day, just need two or three. I don't need 50 or 100. The second part of where I want to end up is that whatever remains, whatever I keep, has a purpose, place, and point. And three Ps, not perfectly chosen. The first two are pretty good. The third one, couldn't think of a great P word, but uh, I'm going to go with purpose, place, and point. So purpose has a why. Either it's something I use or get a lot of use out of or something that I really want to keep. Uh, a place. And part of my decluttering process is not only getting rid of things that I don't need or want, but reorganizing what I'm keeping. And a big example of that is paper. Any of the paperwork that I, I am not shredding or discarding, anything that I keep has to be organized and put into a, a logical place. And I'm doing that with a lot of the things that I'm keeping, including clothing and, and um, tools. I think I may have mentioned that I organized uh, a lot of the tools that I have into one central place. Before, they were kind of all over the place. I'd find a hammer here, a pair of scissors there, things like that. Now, things that I categorize that are similar in the similar category are organized into one place. I know for some of you, this is common sense. Some of you, this is something you've been doing all along. For me, it's something that I am just getting a good handle on. And point, what is point? Point I will define as I know where it is. I no longer want to live my life having things that I don't remember I own and not knowing where they are. That to me is chaos and that to me is uh, not, not only impractical, I think it is a big contributor to just... Uh, unhappiness, uneasiness, stress. And it's something that I I have control over that I can alleviate and rectify. So it's, it has a point. Anything that I'm keeping, and this is part of not only getting rid of things, but reorganizing them in a logical manner. Everything I have, I know where it is and why I have it. And that really ties in the the purpose and the place. And that's the third P, and that's probably one of the most important. So that's what my end goal looks like. I cannot define that right now in terms of how much stuff I have left because I won't know that until I get there. And maybe that will be something I will share on a future episode once I have achieved that. The other thing is my end goal will be once I have decluttered to the point where I have achieved those two big goals, that it will be an ongoing process because I think it's one thing to purge and declutter things that you've accumulated over years, but the, the other part of this is maintaining that place where you have the three Ps solidly in place, pur purpose, place, and point. And that's going to entail keeping up with thinning out clothing that I'm no longer wearing in terms of the more recent stuff. Uh, Anytime I replace something, getting rid of something that we're discarding, we're recycling, whatever it's replacing in the case of shoes or something like that. Paper. Uh, organizing paper so that I only keep it as long as I really need it. For example, receipts. Certain receipts I will shred every 30 days once I've reconciled them or audited my 
credit card statements and that sort of thing. Other receipts I may have to keep longer for tax purposes. Just making sure I have a system in place so that I'm only keeping what I have to keep, and a lot of that is have to keep, for as long as necessary, and then discarding it or shredding it, recycling it, whatever, afterwards. So uh, again, I'm... I'm going to put up, I, I, I think you can do more more than one, uh, Put up, I'm going to put up in the Q&A, share with me your best decluttering tip. And uh, I would love to know that. I ha- I've posted that on some of the prior episodes, so feel free to respond to that if you want in the prior episodes. But I would love to know what is your best decluttering tip because I am still in this process. All right, uh, the write-up will be at bemovingforward.com. Hope you have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.